0: All right, have you ever had someone, someone tell you, uh, don't worry, I, I got this? Have you ever had that, that phrase, don't worry, I, I got it, Tim, I got this, okay, you just sit down, I got this. Uh, perhaps, uh, maybe you're, you're a coach, and there's 10 seconds left to the ball game, and you have all these little guys, and you know that there's only five players left out there, and, and your worst player is no longer on the bench. They've never made a free throw in their life and they look at you, coach, I got this. You know, as soon as they get the ball, they're going to throw it up and it's not going to hit the rim. But they have the confidence to say, I've got this. Or maybe you've had a friend that often disappoints you in life. They constantly do not follow through. They, they say, they say, they say, and then they do not do what they say oh man, you need help moving that couch on Saturday or maybe Tuesday you need something at work that you forgot to bring and you ask your friend, I got this, don't worry, I got this this time. And then they don't follow through. It's, it's frustrating, right? The groomsman who says, don't worry, I'll make sure that they don't decorate your car. Uh, Leave it to me, I got this, Tim. And then you see they have shaving cream and paint that you'll never get off and all kinds of stuff that will ruin your first hours of marriage. Right? Don't worry, I got this. Leave it to my hands. Don't worry, I got this. Well, depending on the character of the speaker, that phrase can be very comforting or troubling. Right? Someone texts you, don't worry, man, I got this. I got your back. I can, I can, I can hold this for you. Leave this in my hand that is either very comforting or very troubling based on the character of the person who says that. Who is this person? And so as we look at the claims of Jesus, and as he tells us today, and he's going to tell us in very certain terms, I've got this. If he is just another human... then, then, then we, we, we have cause for continual concern. But if he is more than that, if he is God, then we have a great reason for calm today. Okay? So Jesus claims some pretty amazing things. I'll heal your blindness. I'll heal your lame. I'll set the captives free. In the middle of the storm, he says, don't worry, I've got this. I'm the Messiah, the leader who will bring peace to the whole world. How about this? I, I got this. I'm the one who will forgive your sins. But, but if he's just another person, then, then how could we ever find comfort in that? And so that's why this, this whole book of the Bible is about this person of Christ. And so we've looked at this, and I'm just going to survey. It would be helpful for us to review, and, and I'm going to start with the book broadest point, as we look at the whole Bible, you have this kind of summary. The Old Testament is the prediction of Christ. The Gospels that we're looking at are the annunciation of of this Christ. And that, as we've seen, it develops. What he says about himself develops from the beginning to the end. He's going to share some things with the Jewish leaders today that he's never shared with them before. So that's a, a, a growing content. The Acts is the history book, the proclamation of the life of Christ. The epistles, these letters, are the explanation of the life of Christ, and then the culmination is in that last book of your Bible, the Revelation. So what we're just looking at here in this series of 15 weeks is this gospel. And we're looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just seeing what do they say about Jesus. Three big ideas, the preparation for Christ, the public ministry of Christ, and the passion of Christ. And, and it would be helpful for us to answer these questions real quick before we get into the text today to remind us of where we've come from, okay? So, the authors, we took one lesson on that. Who are these writers who tell us about Jesus? And we find out from them that, that Jesus is the Holy Spirit's message. The, whole, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things... And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So there's this very real sense that that Jesus is the message that the Holy Spirit shared with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We can't just make up what we want to about Jesus. If I were to say, I'm going to do a session on Jesus, 15 lessons, and just think, what comes to my mind? Let me just look at a few verses. No, we, we want to see what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say about jesus this harmony of the gospels and they focus on different elements and so we're trying to put those together all four of them in one primary uh, one one series okay and i'm realizing it's so hard to pick which to survey at all okay uh the parents of the child was our second session and we found out that jesus is the promised seed the son of man The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Right from the beginning, he's proclaimed as Messiah. Right? But we find that he is this promised seed, the Son of Man. Continue into a public ministry of Jesus, right? We fast forward many years uh, to where he's about thirty. And we find the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist, right? So the forerunner of Jesus, um, we find that Jesus is the subject of the prophesied forerunner, right? That, that Jesus is not just saying this himself. There was a prophesied one who was to come before him who pointed to Jesus. And we saw John the Baptist say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, existed before me. So Jesus is this prophesied one as the forerunner points to him. So who is Jesus? He's all of these things. And then you find the presentation of Jesus, right? Who is Jesus when he's presented there right at the beginning? He is the one who is baptized. And what does he do right after the baptism? There's this temptation. Um, So we find that Jesus is the victor over Satan's temptations. Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil went. No match. Right out from the start of Jesus' public ministry, he takes out his foremost opponent. Okay? So Jesus is victor already. Uh, right from the beginning. Jesus is victor over Satan's temptations. And then these last four, okay, so that's the forerunner of the presentation. At this point, we stop growing. Chronologically through the life of Jesus because there's just so many chapters, so much content, right? So you look at these next four, C, D, E, F. Um, we have the followers of Jesus, the foes of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and the signs of Jesus. And that's what we've been doing the last four or five weeks. We've tried to put together all of that content. And I realize it's a lot of content, but I, I do not apologize for that um, because what we're trying to do is get all of it. All right, this is how, how you look at a topic. You can ask me about this later. I can't get into it. But this is how you look at a topic expositionally. Right, we often look at a text expositionally. And we just really dissect or dive into that text. But this is how you look at a whole topic expositionally. You have to look at the whole thing. I can't just pick out three things that I want to look at. Okay? So we looked at the followers of Jesus and the foes of Jesus. And we just graphed that. And I gave handouts. This is, this is the whole thing. We can't even read it all. We don't have time to read it all, but this is the whole thing. And we looked at a few of the primary ones, okay? So if we just look at the followers, or I said friends, and the foes, you could kind of see who Jesus is here. Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Right? So, so Jesus is this friend that calls you to follow him, and he's going to spend the night with them. And he's going to know them in a very personal level as a friend. This is Jesus. Jesus is the Son of Man who is our friend. But there's the opposite side of this. This is another big theme. If you read through the Gospel, you recognize there's a lot of opposition to this one who is the friend. Jesus is the rock, over which many stumble unto their own destruction. This is true about Jesus. He is going to present himself, and many are going to to resist him and throw out his message, and they're going to be destroyed. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and we have his siblings with us? And they took offense. That word is stumbled. They stumbled. And it's the same text in Isaiah that prophesies that many will stumble after this stone of Messiah. And then the other two we'll also take together just real quick here, the teachings of Jesus and the signs of Jesus. We're finishing up that idea of his signs, his wonders, that he's most known for, perhaps. But Jesus is the authoritative teacher. He is the rabbi. And and do you remember that we looked, that, that if you just kind of spell out all the Gospels, the biggest part of the content of all the Gospels are his teaching. Presenting himself as the king and uh, the king of our heart. When Jesus had finished these words, Matthew 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them with having authority. This is our Jesus. Jesus is the one who has, he is the word. But, but we love these stories too, don't we? Jesus is the omnipotent son of God. And, and so last A couple Sundays ago, we we looked at one of these, kind of a primary period of time. And actually, Matthew 16 comes out right out of that same period of time that Pastor Andrew looked at last week. uh, Where Jesus is showing that he is the omnipotent son of God. Look at this. Same time period, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat did what? They worshipped him. They worshipped him you are certainly God's son. You see that throughout the gospels as Jesus displays not just his teaching ability but that he is authoritative in his power. He can do all things, all right? So, we're finished up that section and now we're going to get to the passion. And those two things kind of wed these ideas together. He is going to demonstrate his glory and his power in a in a way that cannot be dismissed. And he's going to do it very publicly to where it's pointing to himself as the Messiah. And people are going to have to, to deal with that. And they're not going to want to deal with it. And so as he gives these miraculous signs, even in Jerusalem and the surrounding region, there is plans to start, starting plans to kill him. Okay? And, and today's text, really, you see a, a mixture of those two. It comes right uh, from the Gospel of John. right, so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? These Gospels. And we're going to go all the way to the very end here of around December of A.D. 29. And Jesus is going to die around Passover time. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. uh, That that last uh, six to seven months of Jesus' life. But here we are just four months before his death. December. And we find this, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and that's where our text is today, okay? We'll get to that in just a second. But let's, let's look here at Jesus' deity revealed to his enemies and see how that goes, right? All right, so, so just a, a few quick points, and I'm really just walking through the text here. Uh, there's, uh, there's this question of confrontation. Jesus is going to confront The religious leaders of his day with this amazing truth and see how they respond okay so let's look at this question of confrontation verses 22 to 25 is where it's spelled out uh verses 22 and 23 a time and place for everything if you got the email about uh you know the text for today maybe you answered a few of those questions i wonder if anyone answered the questions did anyone answer the questions? I'm just going to give out some bonus points. I have $200 bills. I don't have $200 bills, but if I did, uh, did anyone answer those? I kind of got the email out late last night, I know. But, but anyway, there, there's the, one of the questions was, when did this take place? So I don't know if you spent some time with that, but you can see verses 22 and 23. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the porch of Solomon. So what two things does this tell us about the time period? It's when? Feast of dedication, first of all. And then is it what else? What time period? Winter. Winter time. Okay. So I'm just going to take a moment with this, all right? And then we're going to continue to walk through what the text says. But I think this is helpful. I should have put this in your notes Maybe you want to draw this little timeline for yourself so you can uh, so you can get into this. But this is so helpful to know what's going these last several months. Okay? So so as we saw, each time we're looking at this, there's this decline in popularity. Right? Right about this time, 2019. And and it's not necessarily that no one else is listening to Jesus or interested in him. It's the decline in followers. People are people are like, He's talking about preaching the cross, right? They don't want to follow Him if that's His message. So we'll come and we'll find the healing, we'll get the food, uh, but I don't know this cross life. Take up your cross and follow me. So from here, right, Matthew 16 would be one of the texts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about this. From this point, He starts talking about the cross. He's going to Jerusalem. All the Gospels talk about it from the beginning, right? Mary's told that as he's born. But, but it becomes more and more clear, I'm going up to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised again. So this preaching of the cross, this happens. What's really helpful for you to put in your mind, you can, you can pin these last six months of Jesus' life on the feasts. The Feast of Tabernacles. Alright? The Feast of Dedication, that we're going to look at today, and then the Feast of Passover is when he dies. Last Sunday, we, around this time period, Feast of Passover, this is where these big events happen it. I wish we could take an hour with this, but, but you, have, you have Jesus calming the storm. You have him feeding the thousands at least two times. Uh, you have him transfigured. Right. This is a huge thing right after Peter's confession. He's transfigured before them. All of that comes right in here. He spends ministry in Galilee. Then he comes to Jerusalem, and really from here to here, he's in and around Jerusalem. Um, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Dedication, in between here, he heals this blind man. And that is what instigates this time period. He heals a blind man, and then you have the Feast of Dedication. He's going to spend some time northeast of Jerusalem in Perea, and then he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, It's going to be a huge thing that you can't ignore. And then he's going to heal the blind man of Bland Bartimaeus. And we'll talk about that next time. But this is where we are right here. Okay, so it's it's a little confusing if you're reading your Bible to know where you are in the Gospels. If you kind of have these big ideas in your mind, you know about where you are. Um, What's really interesting to me is where are we in our text? We're in John chapter what? John chapter 10, This, this is not even halfway through John's gospel, and we're already toward the end of his life, right? So the gospels give less information at the beginning and more information at the end, and then the last week is the biggest chunk of your gospels. It's all about the stage is the cross and the resurrection. That's what these gospels are promoting. This is all building up to this one event. Not that Jesus heals or that he tells us to turn the other cheek. All that's part of it, but it's all building this stage where he's going to do that ultimately in being beat. Okay, so the Feast of Dedication here. Uh, The Feast of Dedication is our Hanukkah. Um, It's December ish, middle of December. It's chilly. It's winter. John says that like, oh, it's so cold. But it's almost like there's a coldness of the air that affects the heart. It's like this is a hard time period. People are not sensitive to God. It's winter. And Jesus comes. And it's really fascinating how he describes this, right? Uh, it's winter and he's in this uh, temple of uh, Solomon, right? The po- Solomon's porch. This would be a... Kind of an idea of what that looks like as an artist's rendition. He's just walking there. It's chilly. He's got his—you can see his breath—and and what happens as he's walking? He's just walking, just ready to go on. There's this is Hanukkah. It's happy time. Right? Boo on the Greek Antiochus Epiphanes, this antichrist figure, right? Celebrating the Maccabees. Uh, rebellion and victory in 164 B.C. This is what Jesus is celebrating, this festival of lights. And then this happens. The Jews gathered around him and were saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? Can you picture that? Uh, The the idea is encircle, as a wall encircles a city. So Jesus is walking down this porch, and he is just surrounded by Jewish people. Now, I think it's important for us to, to note that uh, in this place, right, it's, it's here, but um, the Jews there, right, in this question and answer, we, we shouldn't think of this as everyone else was Gentile, right? Everybody was Jewish at this point, right? All the disciples were Jewish. Uh, Sixty times John mentions in the gospel the Jews. Sometimes he's talking about the Jewish people in general as he talks about a feast, Sometimes he's talking about uh, the, the religious leaders of that day. And that's the idea here. These Pharisees and Sadducees were this body that he could call the Jews. These Jewish people um, that, that have authority, that are the representatives of the Jewish people in that day. They're going to, they're going to pick a fight with Jesus. They encircle him. He can't get around. And they, they keep on asking him. So it's like, They're surrounded him and they they surround him. They encircle him and they were asking him, tell us. Come on, tell us plainly. They all got this same story together. Listen, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to find out once and for all in a very public place, who is this Jesus? Tell us plainly who you are. All right. Who are you? Are you the Messiah? And that's the question. Are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. Come on. Don't keep us in suspense. He's been telling us these parables. And he has told people that he's the Messiah. But he hasn't told the religious leaders very publicly this. Okay? And that's why I say that he, he is gradually showing who he is. And, and here they are asking, Tell us plainly who you are. And look at his answer. This is so important. Um, Jesus answered, I told you and you do not believe. But when did you tell us? How did he tell them? The works that I did. right? The works that I do in my father's name. These testify. These speak. All of these miraculous signs. They're to help people. But what they are are words showing you who I am. Don't you read your Bible is what he's saying. These works I'm doing are testifying to who I am as Messiah. These works demonstrate that I am the promised one. Now, specifically, he's talking about John 9. You look back in in your Bible there, the previous chapter, there's this controversy over someone who was born what? Blind. Yeah. And Jesus heals him. And, and And the Pharisees are like, don't. Like, we can't have this. Why? Because they know what's going on with this. They know that this is clearly showing that Jesus is Messiah. Listen, this, this wasn't a guy born blind. Let's talk to his parents. They talk to his parents, and the parents say, we don't know who healed him, but we do know that he was our son, and he, is, he was blind. That can't be. They talk to him, and he is a follower of Jesus. And what's the outcome of that? He is thrown out of the church. He's kicked out of the church is really what happens. They, they, practice, they practice discipline on him and they throw him out of the synagogue because he's a follower of Jesus. And, and that's the background where Jesus is going to now come to them and he's going to say, Listen, you're not following me. My sheep do follow me. Isaiah 42.1, Behold my servant whom I have hold, my chosen one and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, verse 7, to open the eyes of the blind. Isaiah 42.7, Isaiah 29.8, Isaiah 35.5, read your Bible. The Messiah is going to open the eyes of the blind. And what's happening here is all of Jesus' miracles are telling us something very spiritual. You are spiritually blind. You need your eyes open. You are leprous and sinful. You need to be cleansed. He is showing the need for a spiritual awakening. He is bringing the kingdom of God saying, repent and turn and believe in me. And he's showing it through his actions. This is what his miraculous deeds are all about in just a little bit in a couple months he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead and he's going to say you need resurrection you're dead we need spiritual life well what are they going to do with this Jesus is going to confront them very deeply Uh, look at at number two here this is a deeper problem he's like "This, this blind man followed me because he's one of my sheep You are not following me. You are not seeing the words because you're not one of my sheep. So you find sheep follow the shepherd. Verse 26, 27, 28. And these these words are so comforting. The Lord will minister this truth to you and uh, it will bless you today. Listen to Jesus. You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my father's hand. Isn't that great? I kind of wonder if right behind this circle of religious leaders, you have the blind man. You kicked him out? No one's going to snatch him out of my father's hand. Try to snatch him out of my father's hand. No one's snatching him out of my father's hand. No one's snatching him out of my hand. It's like you're a pack of wolves, and you're trying to snatch people out of my hand. That doesn't work. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. He <laughs> is really... You, you are not... But listen to what, listen to this authority. I give people eternal life. Humans don't say that. Jesus is the Son of God. He has the authority to give eternal life. He has the authority to forgive sins. He has the authority to to raise the dead. And then I love verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Isn't this a beautiful picture? It's like, you, you think you have this guy. You think you have these people. They're in my hand. And you know what? They're in my Father's hand. My Father is greater than all. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. And and so this is why it's so comforting that today we can say, we can hear, you can hear this. Listen to Jesus' words as he says this. You know what he's saying? I got this. It's in my hand. I got this. You're afraid of being bombed? I got this. You're afraid of being ostracized? I've got this. Fired? I've got this. We have this confidence because we know that we are in the Father's hand. We are in Christ's hand and no one will pluck us out of his hand, out of his care, out of his affectionate, watchful care. We cannot fear Satan. Don't fear Satan. This is not Satan's. Satan has no authority at all but by the Father's permission. Now we fear him if we weren't in the Father's hand. But if you are in Christ, you have nothing at all to fear at all. And any time we fear, it's it's an affront to the Father's hand. It's saying, God, I don't trust you. Remember as a child, I, I can still picture my Father's hand. Although... I still see my dad's hand, but I remember my tiny hand, my like skinny bony fingers, and trying to get something out of my like a quarter out of my dad's hand, and he could just he could just hold on no matter what. Like it wouldn't hurt no way to pry that out of my dad's hand. This is the picture. Satan tries to do anything to get to you. There is no way you are secure today. The almighty hand of the Father. No plot, no lie, no loneliness, save what the Father permits. It does, he does permit these things. He allows Joseph's brothers to be cruel to him, to ruin his life. But he's able to say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It came into my life through the Father's hand. So today you are with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, these three persons of the Godhead, and you have nothing to fear. Because look at that, again, I just, I wish we could spend more time on this. We need to keep moving and finish up here. But look at the Father. He is greater than all. There's nothing, there's no match. There's no match. Let come what may, we stand in the Father's hand. He's got this. He's got this. Don't worry, he's got this. And we find the grand finale here. This is where Jesus is going with us. And this is astounding. Look at the next phrase. He's not going to just say, I'm Messiah. What is he going to say? The grand finale, a fantastic claim. I and the Father are what? Are one. Whoa! They're they're looking for him to, to acknowledge that he's the Messiah. He's going to go much further than that. I am God. I and the Father are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. One God. Three persons. We we would say that there is one essence, one substance. There's there's the person of the Father, the person of the Son. This is one God. This is how John begins the whole book, as we read earlier. The word was God. God. And the word was with God. How is that? The word was God and the word was with God. We can't comprehend it completely, but that's what the Bible says, so we believe it. And it's a comfort to us. There is a human nature here and a divine nature here in this divine son. He is claiming oneness with the father. Now they knew what that meant because they they recited the Shema all the time. And so what he is saying is very clear. But we should recognize that, of course, this, He is raising the dead. He is forgiving sin. Right now, we believe that, that we pray in Jesus' name. We, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, what? There am I in your midst. This is not a human, mere human. He is fully human, fully God. Not merely human. Uh, the Father is in Him, and He is in the Father. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the only begotten God in John 1. Hebrews 1 states that, oh God, speaking of Jesus, forever is forever and ever. Your throne is forever and ever. He is worshiped by angels and humans alike in the Bible. In fact, commanded to worship him. And we know that all people will. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we read that in Revelation, bowing down to the Lamb. And so this is very clear. Jesus is just telling them that. <laughs> well, how are they going to respond? Whoa, it does not go over very, very well. They're still disbelieving. What do they do? They pick up stones. Yeah, they're ready to, they're ready to deal with this blasphemer. Um, they're ready to kill him, to, to, to bring about a capital sentence, capital punishment sentence. And so you're left with this. Are, are you going to be with Thomas the doubter? and and respond to this glorious works of Jesus and say, my Lord and my God, or are you going to raise up stones and kill him for blasphemy? Those are your two options. Wow. Worship, or he is a blasphemer. Uh, Jesus is not just son of man, he's son of God in flesh. They get the message loud and clear. Look at their murderous intention. Um... And, and, and so we have uh, them picking up stones to stone him, and then, then an argument comes up. Now, I don't know how this happened, that they stopped. He, Jesus just quickly starts talking to them. I kind of picture like 15 or so men, and, and they've all spent the day praying, um, and they're ready to kill him, but they didn't bring stones with them, so some of them are going to get stones. That's what I picture. they are probably not a lot of stones right there, but they know where they are, and they're ready to do it. Um, and, uh, and so Jesus starts talking to them, and he always does this. What does he do? He answers them a question. He asks them a question. Right? Questions convict, accusations harden the will, and so Jesus is going to say, listen, hey, I've done so many good works. For which of these good works, and here's the works, are you stoning me? And so you have now this argumentation. Jesus says something, they say something. Jesus says something, they say something. Jesus says something, they do something. okay. So that's the the rest of the text. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works. For which of those are you stoning me? And they said, that's not why we're stoning you. For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a God, make yourself out. Being a man, make yourself out to be God. Okay? And so that's their response. Jesus gives a statement. They respond this way. And Jesus does something really interesting here. He doesn't just say, okay, I'm God, you're wrong. He could say that. He could strike them dead. Right? A little bit later that happens. He'll say, I am not too far from here, and, and trained soldiers will fall to the ground as dead. Okay? He can do that. He'll say, Ego me Yahweh. It's the name Yahweh. And they will fall to the ground as dead. He could do that. Instead, he's going to argue with them. He's going to bring about this text. Uh, he, he, he quotes this, this psalm. Um, and, and he shows this interesting uh, use of the word God, uh, meaning chief or, uh, or ruler over the people. And so in Psalm 82, six, there actually is, is a reference to judges who are evil judges being thought of as gods to the people. Like, like they are in the place of God to you, but they were actually oppressing them in the text. So it wasn't a positive thing. And Jesus is saying, "Listen, if you allow them to be called this title, and they're wicked judges, even more so, I can claim this, and you should not be offended, All right?" So this is what he's saying. He's not saying that they were gods. Um, he's saying is an argument from lesser to greater. If if you see that in your Bible, and your Bible's you know never mistaken, then why, why are you so upset? Uh, It's just fascinating. Jesus always goes to the Bible. Always goes to the Bible. Hasn't I been written your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and here I am the word of God coming to you, do you say of him whom the Father set apart and sent to the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? And then he goes again and points to his works. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, just believe the works. So that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Right. So he's going to appeal to them again. He could just write them off, but Jesus is appealing and appealing and appealing. Please, please. He's going to do so in tears. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that kills the prophets. And then this, this is the response. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him. They did not want to listen to this. So some are getting stones and now they are trying to grab him. And sometimes it's as if Jesus supernaturally goes out. It does appear that in this case, it is a, it's almost like a tackle scene where, where he is eluding their grasp. He is running and they're trying to catch him. And, and he runs and he, they're trying to seize. No one can snatch them. It's not the same word, but similar idea. Out of my father's hand. They're trying to snatch him and he eludes their grasp and he goes on and preaches because he knows it's not his time yet. But he will go there in just a few months and he is going to lamb blast them in front of all the people, right? So don't think that Jesus is copying out here. It's just not time yet. He's going to let that sink in. In a couple months, he's going to let the Sanhedrin make a decision to say, we're going to kill Jesus. So it becomes a formal, and that's at the end of John 12 uh, when he does that. Therefore, they're seeking to seize him and he and he leaves. He leaves. He goes to uh, Perea, northeast of Jerusalem, and continues his ministry. And we'll get to that next week. But let me just encourage you. Do, do you believe this? Right? Jesus, this is his message to you, too. This is his message to me, too. Right? He's got this. He's got it. Right? Do you believe that? Or are you living like a, a rejecting, unbelieving Pharisee? Do you believe he's just a man? Or do you look at your needs? Do you look at yourself? If, if you believe, there is a huge humility to know that the Father has given you to Jesus. You can't say, I earned that. I, I Look at all I did and now I'm in the fold. No, the Father has given you to Jesus. So humbling. And because of that, no one's going to take you away. There's such rest. No one can take you away. We are safe in the arms of Jesus. We trust him that he is son of man, but also that he's got this because he's the son of God. John and Betty Stamm gave their lives sharing uh, the gospel as missionaries in China as they were training before that in Michigan. Uh, they were training to, to, to leave as a young, young couple, young man, uh, John needed a ride home from college. His friend offered, but he had no money and and no warm clothes. You ever feel that way? you just have no money maybe you don 't have the right the right clothes for the winter and uh And so he got a ride as he 's waiting to go. He rips his one of his only warm uh sweaters he 's like i 'm not going to go home without any warm socks uh no warm sweater." Not gonna make my mom do that. He said, I went by the lake feeling a bit blue and downcast and found myself thinking, Well, it's all right to trust the Lord, but I wouldn't mind having a few dollars in my pocket. Right, we all go that way. Yeah, he's the Son of God. He is creator, but I just kinda wish he'd take care of this little thing. Like a flash, I could have kicked myself to think that I was valuing a few dollars in my pocket above the Lord's ability to provide a million if I needed it. A few minutes later, just as I was crossing Michigan Boulevard and jaywalking too, which is not what I was supposed to be doing, I picked up a $5 bill from the street. What a rebuke it was from the Lord. Just one of those gentle rebukes the Lord can so wonderfully give us. The $5 was beautifully acceptable, even though it was wet. I dried it out. The next day, visited Montgomery Ward bargain counter and bought a couple of shirts and a good warm pair of socks. I'm wearing those socks still to this day. That's great. Because he's got this. Right? If we can trust him for our eternal salvation, we can trust him for our socks. Right? And we can trust him for atomic bomb right, things. Warfare, infighting in your family, cancer, all these difficulties that are a part of living everyday life, right? The socks get to us because that's difficult because it's just a daily irk, but some of these things, these bigger things that are out of your control get to you, and if you're living like you can control it, you will become anxious. But if you're living like God is in control, then you can rest, you can rest. John's wife Betty uh, wrote a lot of good good poems. This is a good one. O Jesus Christ, thou Son of God and Son of Man, thy thy love no angel understands, nor mortal can. The strength of soul, thy radiant purity, thine understanding heart of sympathy, the vigor of thy mind, thy poetry, thy heavenly wisdom, thy simplicity such sweetness and such power in harmony. Thy perfect oneness with thy God above, the agony endured to show thy love. Thou who didst rise triumphantly to prove thou art the living God before whom death and hell itself must shake and move. Thou son of God, grant me thy face to see, thy voice to hear, thy glory share. Never part from thee, ever thine own to be throughout eternity let's come to this lord heads bowed and eyes closed the only response we should have is worship you're you're either you're either rejecting his message or you're worshiping and if you're able to worship you're able to rest today Uh, so let's take a moment to to rest in his sovereign almighty omnipotent hand That Jesus is with you in this storm. And when he says, I got this, it's, it's not because he's a good steerer of the ship. It's because he can put storms to silence. Because he's creator God. Maybe there is a, a burden that you're carrying that you need to roll on the sun today. Let me encourage you to do that in closing prayer. Uh, if you have rejected him as your Lord and your God, like Thomas, Then let me encourage you to bow to him right now and accept him as Lord and Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. In a moment, Pastor Andrew will close us in prayer. I'll be standing in the lobby, happy to pray with you if you'd like like to pray with someone. Let's pray.